Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yo, what up, guys? It's time to talk about my bookie. You know they're our favorite sponsor here on the show. Been riding with us for months and months now. Uh, it's a great site. And I just want to say, just because the Super Bowl is over, uh, football is behind us, that doesn't mean... Uh, the fun's going to end on my booking. In fact, it's just getting started. We're talking about NBA, NCAA basketball, NHL, got golf in there. We got MLB coming up. Tons of different stuff you can bet on on my bookie. Uh, and now's the time to, to get started with our promo code, Shark25. Let me tell you, if you sign up with our code, you're going to get a 50% deposit match on deposits of $100 or more. You're going to get $25 bonus cash. Ton of great deals for you. And most importantly, you're going to be helping us out here on the show. Um, you know, I wouldn't be telling you about my bookie if it wasn't a site that I personally use, and I do. I love my bookie. Uh, it's super easy. Uh, they got great odds on everything on there. Uh, go check out the line for an old Miss game. You know, whatever one's coming up. Um, you know, Kermit covering a lot of lines earlier in the season, been a little bit rougher uh, last couple of weeks as we're going to talk about on the show tonight. But hey, just remember. Uh, who you bet on just as important as where you're betting, and that's why my bookie is the place for you. Um, so like I said, join now, use our code shark 25, get all those great deals. Uh, and it's that simple guys at my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right. Now I want to talk to you about ticks blitz our, uh, our newest friend here on the show. Um, they're the official ticket provider of the armchair media network. Unlike other ticketing providers that sneak in extra fees and unexplained service charges at ticks blitz, the price you see is the price you pay. And let me tell you. That is so annoying with other big services. I, I might have mentioned it before, but we went to see Old Miss here at the Coliseum in Jackson. I think it was Ticketmaster selling the tickets. They were advertising them for like $6 or $8 or something. I was like, wow, what a great deal. Go through, you know, get to payment, check out. And of course, after all the added service fee is actually, what, like $22, $25. So yeah, that makes more sense, but it's just deceptive advertising. I hate that. Unnecessary fees shouldn't prevent you from seeing the sporting event, concert, or Broadway show of your choosing. So go to TixBlitz.com, enter promo code ARMCHAIR at checkout to receive 5% off your total ticket purchase. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com, promo code ARMCHAIR. TixBlitz, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. Okay, let's get on to the show. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your weekly dispatch from the dystopian reality that is Ole Miss Athletics. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Another week here on the show. Got my co-host, John Stefanczyk, with me on the line. Fresh off a, uh, sounds like a pretty nice little trip. What's up, buddy? How you doing? We're good. We, uh, not as, maybe not as much as initially planned, but got some California sunshine yesterday. Uh, very relaxed setting to watch a 
I thought a very boring Super Bowl. Oh I guess yeah, it... you thought you thought that. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the consensus. Hand across the board, the most boring Super Bowl ever, lowest scoring Super Bowl ever. So I flew back uh, this morning, San Diego to Midway to Manchester, and okay. the Midway to Manchester, the old school Southwest for anybody playing along. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Manche- the Midway to Manchester leg had a number of Pats fans. In fact, the uh, so today all the Dunkin' Donuts in New England had a dollar coffee in honor of the Pats winning. Okay. I wasn't there to partake for in the morning. However, the Pats fan sitting a couple seats next to me in row five, who attend- season ticket holder who attended the game, uh, gave me his um, drink voucher because okay. he – yeah. Because he had put in his terms, he goes, I've had plenty the past few days. Wait, so, so he was coming from Atlanta through Midway? I guess that yeah, makes sense, right? I, up up and over? Or where he was he paid, going? He got his tickets for 2800 $2, bucks to get in. Face value is 1500 Um How did he get 28 bucks to get in? Like a scalper? Why no, did, how did he do that? No, 2800 to get in. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. That makes more Sorry. sense. 2800 to get in. And he was coming back through, uh, yeah, he's coming back Atlanta to Midway and flying Southwest Business Select, which I couldn't totally put all the pieces together there. I don't know. Maybe he had a bunch of points saved up. Who the hell knows? Yeah. yeah. Lived, in, lived in New Hampshire. Um, okay. Manchester's kind of an old South, kind of one of the regional Southwest, not hubs, but like kind of. Focal points because Southwest has only been flying into Logan for the past few years. Historically, they've been in and out of Providence and Manchester more. Mm. But I'm, anyway, sure, I'm sure there's a term for that second tier hub that our friend our friend John could tell us. But yeah, I don't know it either. Anyway, not an aviation anyway, guy. So, so he gave me his drink voucher, and I had a uh, wild turkey and Seven Up. That was quite nice. So I got so I got to celebrate Pat's win with a free drink on. Second leg. It was this a, a three day weekend, four day weekend? How'd you how'd you do it? Uh, got out there Friday night and came back. So it was basically yeah, two. Just take one day off, or did you take Friday off too? I uh, no, I took just today off. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Well, we, good. I telecommuted the last portion of Friday. If we're gonna get all technical, but... <laughs> please, yeah, please, let's get technical on the show. Well, and if you nice. have a phone, if you have a phone that has access to email, you have. I mean, well, and that's kind of the that's kind of the problem our generation has, right? Is you you can't ever get away from your job. You get an email from your boss at 11 p.m. and I don't know. Especially I work in startups, right? And that's like a big debate among yeah. startups because like a lot of times, not my current job, thankfully, but I, I've had bosses in the past where you know they think that being a hard worker means like being super type A. And like, you know, it's actually like a super toxic thing for your boss to answer every email at all hours of the day immediately, because then you feel like as an employee, you're compelled to do that too. And you can never actually be off the clock. And it's just a very unhealthy work-life yeah. balance kind of thing going on. Uh, so, you know, the more, the more like well-read and woke bosses and managers out there read about that stuff and they know not to do that, but definitely a thing, especially in startups, but probably in your world too, of you'd run into the certain types that think that if they're firing off a five word email, when they have an idea at, at one in the morning, that somehow makes them, you know, good at their job or whatever. So that's just kind of a funny thing that a little aside there. Um, 
Yeah, man, that sounds nice. How was San Diego? What'd you think? Is you, your first time out there? I've never been. I had been there for half a day previously, work related, and wanted to. And this is my see, this is my fourth winter in New England, and I finally said, okay, I'm going to go take a trip to California, either a South Florida or a California trip. Decided to go to California as a to break up winter. It was nice. It rained. It was funny. We had a gale watch Saturday, but even that, even that was still an improvement over what the hell we had last week. You can't, you can't get away from the weather. But it worked out. It wasn't as bad as they were predicting it to be. Yeah. How how, how bad did it get up in your neck of the woods during that that cold snap last week? It was zero degrees three days in a row driving to the office. It really wasn't. I mean, it was cold, but it wasn't. I would say like historically cold or, I mean, mm-hmm. you always have a few days like that. Sure. January, February up here. The Midwest got hit. I mean, Chicago, Minneapolis, Wisconsin, those areas, they got hammered. They, I mean, they got hit historically where that was pretty crazy. Midway was, I mean, Thursday, I went through Midway on Friday, and Thursday was the first full, and that was the first day it was like fully functional again, in terms of getting out there. So, kind of worked out. But anyway, it was good and relaxing. It was nice to be in an, you know, it's fun. I mean, the California is very laissez-faire towards sports, and rightfully so because I mean, they got, you got all stuff going on. Yeah, plenty of other things to do that are more entertaining. Um, just the enjoy the weather and whatnot. It really worked out well because that game. I mean, the the anthem was good with that with Gladys Knight. Um, the flyover with the roof roof open and everything worked out pretty well. But I mean, that game was a stinker. What did you think of the halftime show? I was honestly halfway paying attention. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, not too excited. I, but at the same time. What is a what is a good Super Bowl halftime show? I have no idea. Like I can't. I mean, Prince, right? Prince was a good one. I don't really know what else I've ever really enjoyed. Uh, Beyonce was good. Oh yeah, yeah. Beyonce was good. Sure. I, I mean, just... at dawn, and Malone and I were texting this. We're, we're sharing this with the group text. Was that um, you know, it was it became obvious watching that. Like, wait a minute, why didn't they just do like an Atlanta rapper parade? Like, yeah, that would have way way cooler. So. <laughs> The Super Bowl is kind of out of sync with the cities, right? Like it has to be controlled by like the league or something, right? Because it never it seems yeah, it uh, always seems way more national than it seems related to the stadium or anything. They always and they always get the they always get the artist like way in advance. Two, well, two well, you know, they, they I think they do it the year of, but they always pick the person they should have picked like three years ago. It feels like. Mm. If that makes sense. Well, it's probably, I mean, I think it probably dates back to, you know, our youth and the, the very scandalous Justin Timberlake and uh, uh, Janet Jackson, right? I mean, I think they're probably afraid. Well, I remember yeah. the year after that, it was the Stones. And I it think. Falling Stones, McCarthy. I think they got, they got burned. Uh, and they're afraid. Uh, they're probably afraid to do anything too interesting after that. I mean, Beyonce is of the ones you named the only even act with a pulse. Really, no offense to Prince, but he was still like pretty old when he played the Super Bowl yeah, halftime show. Prince, the one that got him, I guess the one that kind of got him back in the modern age, if you will, was uh, those Black Eyed Peas were in Dallas. God, I actually remember that. It's funny. I just the Super Bowl now compared to but, and obviously. Go ahead. What are you gonna say? I can actually, damn, I can do this more. I thought it was, it was, 
Black Eyed Peas, the Madonna did Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, I don't care about this at all. And then it was Beyonce, and I couldn't. Katy Perry was who was thirteen? Who did it in? Oh, a, right, a, the shark, the shark Bru- thing. That Bruno was thing. Mars, mm-hmm. Katy Perry. Yeah, this just doesn't 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 appeal to me. Don't care. Hey, well, you got five of these in a row. I'm amazed. Eric, I mean, who, who else have we they had recently? I'm it's trying to think. Trivia. Of- no, what I was going to say is I just feel like now, and obviously the game being played on the field didn't help, but the the way that I see the Super Bowl now compared to like when I was a kid and you would like go to a Super Bowl party and it, it seemed like such a huge deal and now it just seems like such a dud. And I think part of it is the repetitiveness of it being Brady all the time and Belichick. And I, I, I think it would have been more exciting if it was Saints, Chiefs, or whatever. But at the same time, even even the stuff around it, to me, extremely low hype level. Like, I, I didn't think the ads were any good. I just didn't I, feel I, like... I forgot, you're right, I forgot. I mean, the commercials were horrendous. Nothing good. It seemed to be so much more of a, of a cultural phenomenon. And I think it probably is just a sign of the times. I mean, just the television in general is just a lot less of our, you know, you call it a monoculture. It's, it's not really that way anymore. Um, and maybe part of it is also being down here. I mean, I didn't go to a party or anything, but I don't know if like the New Orleans like boycotted it and stuff, and there were like record low ratings in New Orleans and all that stuff. I, maybe that's part of it, but I kind of just feel like across the board, the Super Bowl has just lost a lot of that, uh, I guess, glitz that it, I felt like it had when I was a kid. I thought it was like some some hot shit, and now it just seems like yeah, whatever, another Sunday night. Maybe I'm crazy. I did. I'll tell you this. I don't know what you were doing after. I did watch uh, a little bit of the show. that. So I'm always interested in what the network plays after the game, right? Because they always use the game as a lead-in to something. Like some TV show, more times, often, often than not, lately it's been like a new show. They're trying to get people to watch. My favorite example is the, the, the classic episode of The Office, uh, where Dwight pretends to set the office on fire, safety training, uh, and, and the cold open where, you know what I'm talking about? You're an office fan, and he breaks the keys off in the door, and they all try to escape in different ways. It's, it's, a, it's a great scene. It was the, the most watched episode of The Office ever. It came on after the Super Bowl on NBC. Uh, but so, all that to say, I watched last night what CBS was putting on after. It was like this super weird talent show type thing. Uh and the only reason it, I remember it at all, really, is because they had like a sword swallower that like uh, did some crazy. Did like uh, he put he put well he put like twenty nine swords down his throat for one thing. He also had a sword in his throat, and he supported like a hundred pound beer keg just with a sword in his throat. That was and he was like crying. You could tell it was like painful. I don't know. So that was to me that was more interesting than the game for sure. What what do you think about the product on the field? You're a Pats fan, obviously, so congrats on the win, I guess. Pats fan, my well, hey, the office will be in a good mood this week. That's that's all I'll say about that. I mean, Belichick out coach McVeigh. Uh, you saw it, it, it wasn't, wasn't just kind of ugly was, all around, though. Just was, offensively, Jared Goff was terrible. I think that's yeah. the big. T- I mean, the fact that he had a chance I mean, to tie it up there. Or go ahead, I can't remember, but when he threw that pick, whenever he threw that pick, it was just, oh, he had a chance to tie it up because it was 10-3. Yeah, and he threw that bad pick. I was just like, oh, that's that's when I really tuned out. 
It was Katy Perry and then Coldplay. Oh, you got to let this go. Oh, man, this is Lady so Gaga. uninteresting. This is and then so it was Timberlake last year. See, Lady, they got Lady Gaga in February 17. They should have had Lady Gaga like five years before. Well, that. you say that they should have had her this year because she's back in the zeitgeist with uh, her movie. But yeah, it was, it was, it was not. It was too yeah. late and too early. Like they get Lady Gaga, but they get the timing wrong anyway. But that, they got that, Beyonce at the right time. Beyonce was huge when they had Beyonce. That was yeah, like after but, formation. Yeah, that's very true. And they got Katy Perry a decent time, so I give them those. I but that's the only. A, I didn't know you were such a pop music guy. I should have known because you did have me put that uh, that American Oxygen song on here one time. That was a banger. Hey, this is what we you – know, everybody's good for something. So, <laughs> Sure. Where the hell were we talking? What the uh, hell were we we were talking – I was asking you about the game. You were saying Jared Goff looked bad. Yes, I agree. Uh, but, I mean, did the Patriots offense really look that good? Patriots just – they – they played ugly all year and won all, and basically won that way all year for the most part. They look good against the Chargers. They beat you the sound, shit out of them. You sound like you put your microphone inside of your mouth. Is that better? Yeah, it's much. It's much better. I I know what happened. It's Never okay. Mind. It's okay. It's okay. We're just this is some on the fly audio engineering we got going on. It's fun. This is hey, this it's, is not, it's, it's how better the than all that yeah, It's exactly. more entertaining than the damn Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean. uh, yeah. That's that's for sure. Uh, so. I mean, I feel like a fool. Early in the season, I made the classic mistake. It's like Tom Brady is never going to the Super Bowl again. He's washed up. He's old. <laughs> so stupid. I hate it. I just, it's not, it's not fun to watch. Here's, here's before we get off the Super Bowl topic because it honestly is not that interesting. But uh, after the game, saw some debate. People saying Edelman is a Hall of Famer because of his postseason stats. That's ridiculous, right? You can't compare postseason stats. Certain teams get more postseason games. That's not a good argument. Am I wrong? He's, he's like in the top. He's not even in the top two hundred or something of yardage. When a guy, when a guy delivers as many times as he does in the postseason, I think you got to. I think you got to make it. No, there there are so many people that. First of all, it's like a head to head thing, right? It's like athletic ability should be a bigger determiner of the Hall of Fame than just, like, individual some-game performances. But if he gets to play in three, four times as many playoff games as the people he's going up against, how is that metric more relevant than regular season stats? It just, I mean, it comes down to how how do you want to weight it? And... I say you can give it some more weight, but it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be able to get into the Hall of Fame just on postseason performances because that's that's silly. You're just talking about longer careers and guys that play on teams that go to the playoffs a lot. It's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, if there's ever really an exception to that, it'd be it would be somebody on the these Patriot teams that get there every single year and deliver. So, I, so. Let's see. I think it's I, I think it's the opposite, but fair enough. What were you saying? Look, Super Bowl only had ninety eight million viewers, lowest since oh eight. Yeah, it's sign of the times, man. Nobody gives a shit. It doesn't matter. Who cares? The NFL also is is not a it's not a great product. I, I think there. What? It's going to be interesting to see. I was going to be kind of I guess the last Super Bowl commentary on this is what is it. 
is is this just a one year aberration because the game was bad and everybody's tired of the Patriots? Or do we no. Think- also, also, I just want to say every person that said the NFL ratings were down because of the kneeling, guess what? We've had a whole season with no kneeling and they're down more. So that's stupid as hell. You're observing a trend that had nothing to do with that. Uh, regular season was up year over year. Citation needed. They go look it up. Okay. I will. They, they, they had they had better ratings. But, I mean, Goodell, I was still... Goodell went silent. Oh, I see, I see. It rose by 5%. Still, that has more to do with what markets are performing. I'm not, I'm not totally walking market back. I'm just saying the NFL ratings have a lot to do with regional markets. Is your team good? Is your team not good? Is your market big? But whatever. Yeah, there you go. It's all about, it's all about, uh, you're probably right. I'm just thinking out loud here. You have, um, well, the Cowboys were good. The Cowboys won the division. That was going to draw attention, but you had the chiefs and the saints were the one seeds. I mean, those are small market teams. Yeah. But I think the chiefs drew a, drew a big national audience with the way their offense played. And I mean, the, Mahomes, I the, the saints, yeah. the saints to, to a degree as well. I think the saints were a, a popular team across the country this year. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, but still, I, I just, I want to say like, well, okay. So if it's not, if you want to attribute the political stuff for the ratings last year, what are you attributing low ratings to for the Super Bowl this year? Like there's lowest since 08 and uh, the, there's the market's only gotten bigger. I don't know. I think interest yeah. is interest is N- down. Nobody. Overall interest N- is down. And obviously the matchup wasn't exciting. The Rams don't, I mean, the Rams aren't going to move the needle in LA but and go, there's I mean, Patriot fatigue. Going back you, to you, you, good. You know, you actually, the other point on your reg- your regional comment is the Bears won the division this year, and the yeah. Bears moved the needle. So yeah, you had the Bears. Big, and that's the a Cow- big market. You had the Bears and the Cowboys win the division. So that's big. That's going to push it. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think it, it goes beyond matchups. It's like what I was saying when I was a kid, it didn't matter who was playing in the game; it still seemed like a bigger deal. I think that tells you more about the overall enthusiasm for something like the Super Bowl, which is reflective, I think, of the of the product in general. But at the same time, the five percent rise in ratings, I don't know. I can't I, I I can't make that argument too strongly with the regular season stuff. But I don't know. Um I don't I I don't know. I think football probably is dying overall still. So you see uh you see the president said he wouldn't let Barron play football? I did see that. I mean, it's a sensible comment if you're a parent. Yeah, one I mean one of the more uh thoughtful comments he's made, honestly. Yep. So that was that was funny for a guy that uh you know has has said that they're ruining the game with uh helmet to helmet contact calls and shit like that and been a vocal critic of uh any any kind of weakening of the game. There you go. The the truth kind of comes out there when it's your kid. You don't want him out yep. there getting brain injuries. Um yep. All right. Well, that's enough for the Super Bowl, I suppose. We got to talk about a a more a more depressing topic, and I want you to make the argument that we that you made earlier, so that I can make my counter argument. But obviously, we're talking about Ole Miss basketball in a in a rut. Uh, definitely the toughest uh, stretch they've gone through so far. Lost five of six, lost four in a row here. Last win was Arkansas at home. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a tough time. It's a gut check week. We'll we'll look ahead of the games soon, but you really can't lose these two games this week. I mean. You lose to Mississippi State at home. Even even more of a heartbreaker, I'd say, losing to Florida in overtime in a game that you really thought you were going to win up three with eight seconds left. 
come down the court, Kevon Allen makes a, a buzzer beater, basically, or two seconds left, three just ended to overtime. Uh, that was really rough. Um, and then, I mean, they had every opportunity to beat Mississippi State, especially uh, early in the second half. State kind of wore them down. And, you know, I watched that whole game. I there's I, I think uh, Kermit was right after the game. You got to attribute a lot of it to breakdowns and Ole Miss's discipline. There's sloppy turnovers. Uh, wasted possessions, bad shots, and that stuff just in the end caught up with them. I mean, State's a, State's a good team. I don't think they're a great team, honestly. I think their ceiling is probably one and done in the tournament. Um, I don't think Halland is developing those players very well. I don't think he's a good coach. They has, he has really good talent that Adidas helped him bring in. I mean, uh, that Reggie Perry kid, the freshman, is great. Without him, they would have lost for sure in Oxford. But, uh, hey, I mean, that's the luxury you have when you, when you hire a – a coach that can buy players, I guess. I mean, you get the you get those young guys that can come in and play immediately. But uh, congrats to State. You got to you got to win back from Ole Miss. There you go. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts, John? I guess from my particular perspective. Yeah, don't don't look, temper your argument just because I already told you my counter argument. Yeah, well, no, set it up okay. for me, and I think this is a fair representation mm-hmm. for most fans. Is I mean, they've lost five out of six. They've got, you got what, Henson and Buffin that have yet. You're a thin team. Schuler's kind of got a bum, bum foot yeah, at this Shuler's point. Yeah, hurt. I would say Henson definitely is struggling right now. Buffin, I Fresh still think, is playing pretty well. You know what? TD is a, being TD. TD is making dumbass mistakes. Yep. They're a year away, but I, I look at it and I say Kermit has changed the culture. I'm excited to see Kermit get another year to kind of put his stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Bring it you were you telling guys. me, I mean, they lose they lose Bruce Stevens, which to me is addition by subtraction. Yeah, I mean, and if they, you can get some bodies in that are at least with his size, I, I, they're not going to be less effective on defense probably than Bruce. And, and, and they lose TD, and I like, I mean, when Terrence Davis is on, yeah, he's, he's on. But, he's great. a great player, but at the same time, it's not like you're not going to be able to replace his production throughout the team or with some other players you bring in. Over the course of a season, you can replace Terrence Davis because there's so much inconsistency. And that's kind of where I'm at with it now. So, and to me with that, you got baseball season getting started here. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, I, I got enough out of basketball for the year and I'm, I'm content. To right. your, your, your interest is peaked. You don't, you're not thinking this is a bad hire or anything. You're interested to see like, and when, when next November comes around, you're going to watch is basically the way you feel about Kermit. Exactly. Right I'm now. curious to see what next year looks like. I, I'll have more interest going into next year than I've had in a number of years in terms of pro yeah, basketball. Which I think it's, I think it's completely fair. And yeah, I, I agree with you on that point, but you know, this is it's a little Pollyanna of me, but at the same time, it's just the cold hard facts. And so the first thing you said when you started talking about basketball was they're, they're not a tournament team. Uh, and they very well may not be a tournament team. But I think people are still getting ahead of themselves. You look at a team that's 4-4 four and four in the SEC, could easily be 6-2, and two, but you're not. You're 4-4, four and 14-7 four, and seven overall. But the reason why I'm not ready quite yet to write off this season and look totally ahead is is because the losses are, I mean, they're all really good losses. Let's let's go through this. We got the net rankings open. So you lost to Iowa State at home. That's number 13 in the net, right? You go on down the net rating. You lost to LSU at home, number 20 in the net. You beat Auburn at home, number 21 in the net. You lost to Cincinnati on, the, on a neutral court, 
They're 25. You split with Mississippi State. One one road game for each of you. They're 26. Okay? You go on down. You beat Baylor on neutral court. They're 29. Right? Uh, you're sitting there at 39. Which, you know, it's a big slide. They're probably down 10, 15 spots from where they peaked. They're definitely, they were at around 20 when they, were, when they were beating Auburn and State the first time. So you're at 39. But still, 39 is a good net rating. for the, if, if Kennedy had a, was 39 in the net, we would all be bubble watching for sure. So I'm just reminding us, us of that. Uh, they're not out of the competition yet. You lost at Florida at the number 40. Uh, you lost at Alabama at the number 46. And so the only loss left at Butler, number 55. So, yeah, you're 14 and 7. You know, it's it's not an incredible record, but all seven are in the top fifty-five, and uh, your worst loss is on the road at Butler, and the next worst worst loss is on the road at Bama. So to get to a home loss, you have to go all the way to uh, to Mississippi State at twenty-six, and then twenty-five on a neutral court, um, and then twenty at home. So I mean, that like that's John. I mean, metrically, that's very good. Those none of those are gonna hurt you come come selection time. Now that's when this week becomes so critical, um, because we were talking about this before the show as well. Uh, on Wednesday, you have a huge home game. You cannot lose this home game on Wednesday, one hundred six a and m. That's the kind of loss that's gonna stick out on your resume come selection Sunday, um, and then you follow it up on Saturday at number ninety six Georgia. So yes, it's it's been a rough it's been a rough two and a half weeks. Um, nothing fun about losing, nothing fun about losing at Florida in overtime in a game that you feel like you should have won, although you let them hang around too long. Uh, nothing fun about losing to your rival in a game where, you know, you were up several times and, you know, um, you, you had some, some bad breaks, maybe didn't get the calls you wanted, but still you, you played yourself out of it. Definitely nothing fun about getting destroyed on the road at Alabama, um, losing to Iowa State, I mean, it sucks, but at the same time, I think they're a very good team. But all of these things are, you know, this is where I was saying earlier, if Kermit is going to co- just sure, sheer will and coaching get these guys into the tournament, this is the week that he does it by re-motivating them, reminding them exactly what I'm saying right now. Yeah, it sucks losing five of six. You go 2-0 and oh this week, you're right back, you're number nine seed again, you're number 10 seed again. And Jerry Palm, 100%, I guarantee you that. Because, first of all, they respect what Kermit's doing. They respect the wins. I mean, I already, I already listed the wins off for you. They're, they have three wins in the top 30 um, with, with, what, Baylor at number 29. Is that right? Yeah, Baylor yep. at number 29. So, three wins in the top 30, uh, and then, what, like three more losses in the top 30, and then three or four in the top 50, 55 range. And none of that is none of that is gonna is going to kill you. So... This is the opportunity if this season is going to be something else to watch for. Really can't lose either of these two games this week. They're, they're huge matchups. They're not going to be easy by any stretch. Um, I know Austin Miller was citing some of the, the stuff that we matched up poorly with. I mean, A&M won at Bama. But at the same time, I think that Bama team under Avery Johnson, they're very emotional, emotional in my opinion. Ole Miss went to Tuscaloosa with a number by their name. They had beaten Auburn. They were they were keyed up to come out and destroy Ole Miss in that game. I think when they played A&M and lost, they probably didn't give a shit. Uh, but I didn't watch that game. Talk about how Georgia gets a lot of rebounds. That was a problem. Um, we, we, we struggled to rebound uh, with anybody outside of maybe like Buffett, TD, some of those. Like, you know, when your guards are your, some of your best rebounders, it's not a good sign. Um, you know, Olin Echek's trying out there, but he's a – He's a confidence-based player, and he'll he'll get down. And sometimes, some games, he just gets muscled out. Bruce Stevens, 
really not physical enough to be a big man in the SEC right now. Um, so yeah, there's going to be struggles for sure. I'm not predicting that they necessarily end up in the tournament. All I'm saying is look at where you are. Uh, and, and what matters is you still have a clear path. Now I'm going to pull up the schedule so we can talk about what other opportunities remain and what likely losses remain. Go ahead. 11 and seven gets you in. I feel like. Yeah. Which would be you yeah. seven, seven and three down the stretch. Which is, which is, which is tough. But so we already talked about Texas A&M and Georgia winnable games. So let's assume that they win to get back on track. You know, obviously it's hard to break out of the four game losing streak they're in now, but let's assume Kermit's able to get them back up. Hopefully we can get a good crowd in the pavilion on Wednesday. You beat A&M, uh, get some confidence back. You go on the road, you beat Georgia. Now you go to Auburn. I- I'm going to go ahead and give that game to Auburn. Um, turn around, come back uh, a week from Saturday, Missouri and Oxford. You should win that game. So right now we're three and one, and we're going for what did you say, seven and three down the stretch. Gotcha. At South Carolina, tough. Uh, and then Georgia at home, but still two games that are winnable. Tennessee comes to Oxford, you lose. At Arkansas, possible. Kentucky and Oxford, you lose. At Missouri, so that's the. I mean, Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky. Those are the three losses right there. You you're gonna be favored or within one or two points in all the rest of those games. The path is there. If they've you can get the, back to they, playing how you were playing before with confidence, if you're, if you're, I mean, and Schuler's health is a huge part of it. You're you know? asking them to be perfect in the other game and basically the outside of um, I think, Auburn. I, and that's a big ask. I think, I think they could go 10 and 8 and get in a play in game for sure. Ten and eight puts them, I think, in the bubble, and it, and it comes down to what's the bubble look like. Yeah, exactly, and that's when we start looking at other teams on the bubble. If they win a game or two. But listen, the listen. Where's the SEC tournament this year? Listen, Nashville. Uh, maybe I think it's back in Nashville. Yeah, but listen, John, listen. If they're if they're ten and eight, that means they literally have one non top fifty five uh, loss. They're gonna have a super strong resume on the bubble. I mean, that's. That probably gets them. I know that's what I'm saying. The path is there. They they have established. First of all, the SEC is very good metrically. That helps them a lot because all these losses they've racked up have have not hurt them from a net perspective. If Ooh. it's it's tough, it's going to be tough to win at South Carolina, at Arkansas, to beat Georgia twice, to beat Missouri twice. But you do that stuff, and I. And I think you're in. I mean, I think even you, you can lose one of those games, and I think they're going to make it, and especially if you win a game in Nashville. So uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen for sure, um, but I think that there's enough there that Kermit has motivation still. Hopefully he can get him back focused. I know we kind of called out their effort a little bit after the game. Um, I like to see that. I hope that they take they take coaching well. And Schuler's health, like I was saying a few minutes ago, is going to be so huge. That's, that's a huge something to worry about, but – if they can avoid any more injuries, if Schuler can can kind of contribute, honestly, you know, in an ideal world, you get Schuler back to where he was earlier in the season when he was averaging 35 minutes a game, and he was really your glue playing point guard. But I don't know if that's realistic. You figure it out somehow. Maybe DC Davis steps up and has a couple huge games. But the path is there, and and I'll go. I'll yeah. I I think looking at the metrics, I think 10 and 8, they probably find a way at least into a playing game, especially if they get a, a, a one win in Nashville. But uh, I think eleven and seven. There's no doubt because then their only their worst loss would be at Butler if they were eleven and seven, assuming that they don't beat 
Tennessee, Kentucky, or at Auburn. So I, I think, I mean, have I got you a little bit back in, at least if they go 2-0 and this week, are you a little bit interested again? Because I think there's still some storyline here. What do, what do you think they finished conference play at record was? Hmm. Realistically, uh, probably nine and nine. I think they're an eight and ten or a nine and nine team. I think if I had to predict, I mean, honestly, they'd probably lose one of the next two games because they're just really hurting right now, um, and that takes them totally out of their projections. Then maybe they can string together the rest of the games that they should be better in. But if they win the next two games, I think they lose Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, probably at Arkansas. And so honestly, maybe if, okay, I'll say if they, if they go two and O this week, they win A&M at home and at Georgia, I think they go 10 and eight. I do. Cause I think that gives them their momentum back. Even if they lose at Auburn, you get to come around, come home and play Missouri. Um, and then I think you win, you beat Missouri at home. And so that leaves you with, you only lose one of at South Carolina Georgia at home, at Arkansas, at Missouri. I think I think going three and one in those games is conceivable. So I think if they go two and zero this week, I, I'm predicting ten and eight. They drop one of these two, I think it's nine and nine. Um, and again, they probably go three and one in that stretch with the loss this week. I, I think that's reasonable. We'll see. They could the wheels could totally be off. They could not you know, win another close game this season. But the last week they did they weren't quitting. They they had that Florida game. It was a heartbreaker. There's the Mississippi State game. They went up by as much as like eight or ten in the first half. Um, I, I just I'm not ready quite yet to to let this season go. I don't think it's time yet. All right, uh, we'll see. I gotta say, Maybe. I think this is one of the more convincing arguments I've made on the show, and I think the next week's gonna tell us a lot. If they go two I, and zero, I think that they're they're still very much in the thick of it. I think that's yeah, I, I agree. If they go two and zero this week, you come back and say okay. This, if you come back and you look at the schedule we'll and you say, this is super doable. Yeah. Yeah. Then you look at it and you say, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And let's, I want to just, before we, before we move on, I want to yeah. look at Missouri, South Carolina, and Arkansas in the net. Let's see. So Missouri's at 84. Really need to win both of those games. Um. South Carolina all the way down at 102, 103. So that's probably state's worst loss right now. At least that loss that they put to them. And then, uh, what, let's see, we've beaten Arkansas. Arkansas is at 57. So that's a, that's a pretty decent win for Ole Miss uh, at home. If you if you went on the road to Arkansas, that's probably a quadrant run one. Quadrant win. one in yeah. top 70. Okay, so that tells us a little bit there. I mean, honestly, the schedule, and I assume it's automated, but getting four games against Georgia and Missouri at the back end of your schedule here, uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is you really went through a really tough stretch lately. And the fact that you beat Auburn and Mississippi State to start it off got you going on a, on a, on a good foot. But you played some really hard teams. You still have some really good teams left on the schedule. But it's definitely softer on the back end is, uh, is my, my perception of it. So we'll see. It's an exciting week. It's a, it's a gut check week for sure. I mean, I, I think if Kermit can get the guys to go 2-0 and this week with the limitations we know they have, with the injuries we know they're struggling with, it's uh, it's an impressive coaching job. So, well, interesting. It'll be Wednesday night, um, like I already said, A&M, 6 p.m. Uh, I assume SC Network, but I'm not sure. So that's definitely something to watch for. Whew. I'm I'm feeling now I'm now I'm excited, John. Now I've talked myself into thinking there's a Shut chance. Yourself into, into hope. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this podcast is really all about. 
But at the same time, the net ranking is is our god now, and uh, on paper, they're they're still very much alive. So this is the week. This is the week where we figure out if uh, if the hope is is misplaced or if it's going to continue on. Uh, so we talked about well, it. Go ahead. What are you going to say? So ba- we'll do baseball next week. Yeah, yeah. There's, so the biggest baseball thing from this week was uh, Greg Kessinger sprained his ankle that he's already hurt before. Uh, he, kind of an injury injury prone kid. Hate to say it. He's a he's a good player. I'm gonna call him Glass Kessinger. Yeah, he he's uh, and honestly, so I watched today. I was uh on the elliptical earlier on YouTube, and I watched the Thomas Dillard interview from today. <laughs> it was kind of depressing because you know Kessinger and Dillard played together at Oxford, um, and then they've been on Ole Miss's team. This will be the third season together. He basically said, without meaning to, I feel like that he's seen Greg get injured a bunch of times. He was like, "Yeah, I've been, I played with them enough. I know when he's hurt. Uh, and I kind of had deja vu. I've seen it so many times before, and it's like, oh man, you're kind of just like dragging on him accidentally here. But uh, yeah, Glass Kessinger is definitely a uh, an app name for him. Um, the only good news, the only silver lining, I guess, to if Kessinger isn't fully ready to go come opening day, is uh, Sir Video is a really good shortstop. I think we saw that a little bit last season. Um, he's the shortstop of the future anyway, so you know maybe you shuffle it around. Honestly, maybe it clears things up a little bit because up until now you've had this this infield outfield shuffle going on with Kessinger your starting shortstop, and then your second baseman Adam Servideo. It was looking like maybe you know Servideo is probably the better infielder, but is he also the better outfielder? Do you put Adams at second, move Servideo out into the outfield? Um, so before the injury, it was looking like maybe, and obviously this is not the full, we'll get more to it, but it was looking like maybe you put Servideo in center, potentially Olenek in right, Dillard in left, Cooper Johnson at catcher. Although in his interview, Dillard was saying uh, he, he's been he's been practicing catcher a lot, which is interesting. So it sounds like if Johnson struggles offensively, maybe Bianco is going to look to make a move sooner rather than later at catcher and put Dillard back there. And then you have guys like Tim Elko, uh, Carl Gindel, I think, is going to play outfield. I'm not sure. But you have other guys that can play in the outfield and have bats if, if Johnson is not hitting, even though he's like a, a, a good defensive catcher. Obviously, we talked about it last year. Kind of struggled at times. I, I think the the batting was affecting his defense, potentially some mentally. So uh, it'll be interesting. Obviously, there's more at play than just these roster things. It's about, you know, like John said on the show a million times, the – mentality of the team what are they going to do come the end of the season but uh you know i'm happy baseball season's almost going to be here that's that's starting a week from friday i believe so next week we'll go more into the roster look at the pitchers look at the schedule talk about expectations for the season all that stuff so look out for that the other thing john i think you were going to mention right is uh maybe the the least heralded signing day that we've ever had on the podcast here on coming up in just two days from now for football. Just say times have changed. Yeah, well, part of it is the early signing period, right? That kind of feels like the big day now. Like a lot of the Seems drama. The majority action is. Yeah, because but... the big programs lean on their guys to sign then. So there's a lot of guys that you you know they're not coming back in December. But on top of that, this, I think there's, there's really, more This than really that. speaks to how big of a disaster December was that – the whole Ole Miss fan base is essentially completely checked out of checked the idea. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't really know anybody that's following recruiting that closely at all. Yeah. 
And we talked I think, about, I think last week. I think everybody's just, just ready to watch the dumpster fire ablaze after they start 0 2 against Memphis and Arkansas. Oh, I know you are. I know we I know a lot of our friends feel that way. But yeah. It's gonna be ugly. This is back to bat back to baseball for a second, mm-hmm. and this could be a side project. Mm-hmm. Why the hell has Bianco recruit it seems like they recruit more infielders than outfielders. I wonder if that's is that a byproduct of the scholarship? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, also like what? There's several coaches on staff that are catchers, right? I think that might be part of it. Bianco is a catcher. Uh, maybe cool. maybe that that makes it easier for them to recruit infielders. I don't know. But yeah, the the true outfielders don't not recruit until them because Dillard obviously well, the, was a well, catcher. The thing I get, but like the I mean, they they seem like they're going to recruit. No, I know. I'm I'm getting, yeah. I'm saying I agree. There's not really. I can't remember that many true outfielders been on the on the team lately. I mean, uh, Olenek a shortstop. Uh, what Golson was a a first baseman, a third base. I thought that he played center last year. Dillard's a catcher, obviously. Uh, this year, boy, you probably have Olenek back in center, assuming her videos in the infield. Um, right I mean, field, they had I don't a, even know. Or you had you had Bosfield, you had Bosfield and I mean, Bosfield, Lee Woodman, Jameson. Those were all. Well, I was gonna ask, what was Woodman? A, Woodman was a true outfielder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I know he, he played well in the outfield. I just didn't know if he played that in high school. Um, yeah. I, mean, I guess, yeah, I, yeah, he was an outfielder. That's believable. Yeah. I mean, he's got speed, but yeah. Um, no, I definitely think that lately that are, that since then, since, since, uh, Woodman, I, I don't remember many like true outfielders. And look, if they, if they got to flex a guy out to fill one spot, yeah, it fine, but their whole damn outfield is built, is built off infielders, right? Yeah, right now, yeah, in the last two years, yeah. Um, if anybody has any insight into that, I'd love to. I'd love to hear about it. I have no idea. I don't know what. I don't know what to contribute that to. Maybe it's just like, mm-hmm. a, you know, a cyclical thing where it happens sometimes, and maybe in the. But I mean, honestly, you want to recruit both, but if you have an imperfect team, you have to choose. You would rather have a bunch of shortstops. It's the hardest position on the field, right? You can run them all over. I'm just saying. I'd rather yeah. have more shortstops than right fielders or whatever, you know. It's but you know, it's it's interesting. It's, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, it, and sometimes it may just be kind of you know, where the relationships fall in recruiting and right. how does it all play. Yeah, so. I think that is. I think that is probably what it is, but I don't know why. So, if it's so Boston Sports, so uh, NBC Sports Boston is calling it the Silence of the Rams. That's how, <laughs> just the silencing. That's pretty funny. Silence of the Rams, silence of the ratings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there should be some. When's the parade? That's a good question. Tomorrow, tomorrow maybe? Or Wednesday. Or Wednesday. Feels like they need extra air. Yeah, I can't wait. For, I, I mean, the only good thing about the Patriots winning is seeing the pictures of Gronk on the parade flutes. Like, and Belichick calling no days off from the Massachusetts State House. <laughs> that was pretty damn funny. Oh man, I, I thought Belichick was about as content, happy as he, he's ever been after a game yesterday. I think he looked at this win, the Super Bowl, and was like, "God damn, we ragtag this thing together to one thing." That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it was it was so far from a like a gotta win type season for them, and they still did it. It's pretty funny. I mean. Wait, they were shit in the regular season. I know, players. I remember, and I think I, I think Brady just kind of willed it partially, and I don't know. I, I'm not enough of a. I, I don't like the Patriots 
or dislike them enough either way really to make a informed analysis of it. All I can say is it's kind of boring. Kind of boring to see them win all the time, but that's sports for you. The, the overdog always tomorrow. wins. Parades tomorrow. The real question is, is are we going to see some uh, interesting Snapchat, Instagram action of where Edelman ends up this week? Oh, right. Similar. Wasn't he in, was in someone's bed or something? What was it? Th- some girl posted? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, just right. say, used to say he was used for marketing for marketing reasons. Mm. Um, oh, well. oh, we have to, speaking of, we have to mention this. Well, uh, we to... At Florida, how about our boy, Brian Tyree, got himself in a little bit of a jam. What did he do? Oh, you weren't following this? Oh. Okay, so this is this is rough. This is I just I'm 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 embarrassed for Brian. He he matched with a girl, quote unquote girl, on Tinder in Gainesville. I, I have no idea if it's a real girl or if it's a catfish account run by one of the student section guys. They had a whole conversation. Uh he's trying to get her to come over to the hotel room. They're trying to he's trying to meet up with her and stuff. You can kind of tell he suspects that there's something weird about it because one time he says like FaceTime me if you're real, stuff like that whatever so he gets to the arena they have all they have his tinder profile they have all the conversations printed out on big poster boards all over the student section waving it around you know the whole game when he has the ball they're all yelling tinder tinder when he's shooting free throws you can hear it on tv playing his day it's all on twitter the pictures of the screenshots they blew up and all that stuff this poor guy man it's uh it was it was rough for him um, but pretty funny, pretty funny moment. It goes down in the, uh, in the old Miss lore for sure. That's pretty damn funny. Yeah. I mean, I hate Florida really honestly swear to God, I hate Florida. I hate Florida fans, but at the same time, you know, props to the execution of that, you know, you're pathetic, but you pulled it off and you got our best player to, to chat with you on Tinder or whatever. So good job. Pretty funny though. It's a, it's a, it's a good story. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't not mention that. Um, so yeah, in summation, the Super, Super Bowl sucked. Uh, John had a nice trip to San Diego. Uh, Ole Miss basketball, uh, dead, but are they? I don't know. We'll see. In very important week, huge, huge week. Gotta win Wednesday, gotta win Saturday. Uh, and baseball coming next week. It's, it's gonna be big. Um, I guess pay attention to signing day. We'll, whatever happens on signing day, we'll talk about it next week and, and kind of try to piece together. You know, the, the the good, the bad, and the ugly. Probably mostly the second two. Um, but, yeah, I think that's it, John. You got anything else you want to talk about this week? Nope. I think that's it. All right, guys. Well, um, you know, if you listen to the show before, you know all the stuff I'm going to say. But you can always rate and review us on iTunes. Um, you know, give us a five-star rating. That would be great. Help other people find the show. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. You heard about at the top of the show. Uh, don't forget to uh, – you know, use our use our codes. That would that would help us out here. And um, go to armchairallamericans.com, All that stuff. Our website, landstrikesafterdark.com, uh, and our email account, landstrikesafterdark at gmail.com. These are all things that uh, you can check out if you want. If you if you know any of the uh, questions we pose somewhat rhetorically on the show, you know why Mike Bianco recruits more infielders than outfielders or anything like that. You know, drop us an email. That'd be great. We'll, we'd love to read it on the show. Um, I, yeah, you know, John, I, I would like to set up like a, like a Google voice line at some point for people to call in and, uh, we could play that on the, on the show and answer their questions or discuss their talking points. But, uh, I don't know. Would, would you as a listener call in guys, if you would, 
uh, let me know. I don't know. Text me or tweet at us at SharksAFTRDark or something. If you think that's a good idea, if you think it's worth the uh, the effort on my part, I might consider it, but I don't know. No no promises. I, I still haven't printed those t-shirts that we were going to do, uh, so no, no promises for sure. Uh, for now, though, uh, we'll... We'll call the show there. Thank you for listening. And uh, John, thank you, my friend, for taking the time to, uh, to join me this week. It was a fun show. Uh, enjoy New England. Uh, I, hope, I hope you head out to the parade. Get Head into town and uh, take in the parade. Uh, we got to work tomorrow. Yeah, I guess you did take the day off. Oh, well. We'll check well, that on Twitter or Periscope or Instagram Live. Or there you go. Well, enjoy the, uh, the positive vibes in the office from your – your win, and just I, I, I bet it makes it sweeter for all of those Patriots fans to know that everyone else in the whole country just hates it and is miserable. So, there you go. Silence of the Rams. Everybody else is silent. The silence of the Rams. Enjoy it. All right. Well, for John, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 